Today on Movie Wars, we talk about Fast X, The Little Mermaid, and You Hurt My Feelings. It's time for Movie Wildlife. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And yes, you as well. Movie Wildlife is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming, or back on an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Hello, hello. Hello. Happy you... June. Yes. Indeed. I used a new theme tune for the first time today. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Both ends. Uh, I'll do it. I just did it at the beginning. Yes. I'll do it at the end as well. Yes. I changed the theme tune from time to time. I think this is the fourth official iteration. Oh, and there have been other minor ones, there unbeknownst have, to us. Well, they're, they're, yeah, from time to time I do futz with it. But actually, I lost the original file for the last one for a long time, and I couldn't find it. And I thought, I can't rebuild it from scratch. But I, then I found it, and then I remixed it. So there we go. But you played the bass on this one. I did. That's the main difference here. The talented Mr. Jan. That's the yeah. difference here was I got a bass guitar again, which I hadn't had for years. And uh, I recorded the bass line and then uh, the rest of the music on top. So anyway, I think we have a lot to talk about today. Mm-hmm. There's three movies, although Yasti, I think you're the only one that has seen all three. Right? All six. Uh, uh, oh, Sorry. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's actually, we're doing two podcasts. Yes. So, um, yeah. Yes. You're, you're the only that one. That doesn't usually happen, but yes, this time. Indeed. Yeah. Now, Rashmi and I were traveling. Yes. We, we were in. But you got caught up. We'd, well, with some of them. Mostly. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's, it's again, um, it feels like everything's back to normal now, which I love. We were in the AMC yesterday and it was heaving. Good. I mean, like, absolutely just full to. Um, capacity it felt like I'm sure that's a lot a lot of that had to do with the next movie we'll talk about in the next podcast which mm-hmm. was Spider-Man but mm-hmm. it was really um, encouraging and um, concession lines well it is summer out the too. door right it's the sure. official start of summer but still no I, I not to take away credit and it was sure. it's been grey in San Diego so people were in the cinema which was really nice yeah, yeah. terrific to see it's, uh, it's, uh, it's my my favourite place to watch movies Okay, um, so we have a lot to talk about, but before we get into our movie reviews, it's time to talk about our usual segment of I Can't, I can't find, find anything, anything to watch, to watch on, on Video, video on, on, demand. on Demand. Something that we keep finding this week, like Rashmi and I have been sat down a couple of times, and we literally can't, we've been like clicking through, like, it just seems to be, it's a bit of a mess right now, we've got like Hulu, Peacock, we've got Paramount Plus, we've got... HBO, HBO Max. Max, we've got Max. Netflix, we've got Prime Video, um, and then the Apple m- rental. I mean, it's it's a it's a mess. Yeah. It it's it's a, mess. a mess. Such a mess. And Disney Plus. And Disney Plus. I forgot Paramount. Disney Plus. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's. And I hope and somebody new fixes French this. French Netflix. Really? Yeah. Well, it's it, they call it the French Netflix. Is that Le Netflix? <laughs> yeah, Learn oh, no. Netflix. But it's supposed to be all French movies, and then there is many British ones, right? There yeah, is, like, like um, Beatbox or Brickbox. Brickbox. Yeah. yeah, and then Acorn. I can't keep up. Yeah. Acorn is all British as well. Yeah, I can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a mess right now. Our Apple TV, we used to watch all of our shows, has like. You know, fourteen hundred icons on the homepage, like, and and that's the thing you don't know where. 
Like one of my picks today is from Peacock, but I didn't know it was on Peacock. Mm. And so I just trying to recommend it here. I was like, oh, I know it's on one of these services. What a mess. Yeah. And, and that service that I used to love, Joe, that you used to always... Um, uh, can, can champion I, can i can i stream, stream dot dot it. it yeah it doesn't exist anymore it died yeah. i think i think maybe there's room in the market if anyone's listening i think you want to make some bucks yeah. and you can program can i stream dot it i think the problem is they all keep their databases behind firewalls because apple actually tried to integrate them into like the tv interface for apple all of the streaming services, especially Netflix famously, was like, no, we're not going to give you that. We, you know, we, mm. want, we want people to go to Netflix, then select a show, not select a show and find it in Netflix because they want to keep you within their walled garden. But, I, you know, maybe that's a good thing to do with ChatGPT is just come up with a simple app, which, which just... Oh, yeah, see. You set up an account. You heard it here, everyone. <laughs> you set up an account with each of them and then somebody just goes in and picks, where do I watch this movie? Like, literally patent up. that right now, Yasti. Do like, it, Yasti. <laughs> like, then we can all retire yes. and do this full time. The Movie yes. Wallace app. <laughs> then we can be laying on a, on our own island, sipping our own yes. <laughs> cocktail while we, while we do a podcast. We should chat about ChatGPT GPT at some point because I've got lots of opinions there but yes yes yeah no that's a great idea but yeah i, I think it's a bit of a mess and and all of the streaming services they're, they're just so keen to kind of win the battle interestingly among all of these streaming services the only one that actually makes a profit believe it or not is netflix i can i can understand Disney, that peacock paramount um, i think hulu might be getting there but a lot of them are just like hemorrhaging cash well because they have such a small sliver of the pie and not that great content Always. Anyway, but talking anyway. about streaming, right. we have found three things to watch. Yes. Uh, my pick of the week is, it's a movie from um, 2018, pre-pandemic, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Mm. And this is um, the anthology that was written by the very talented Coen brothers. Mm -hmm. And it has that signature blend of drug, you know, dark drama, black humor. And it's just this series of like six or seven little vignettes um, that are different like in in duration but all of them have something deliciously wonderful to offer so my pick is the ballad of buster scruggs and that is showing on netflix it, yeah I, I love that i think that movie hasn't gotten its flowers it maybe got released at the wrong time but, correct but it, it's like 10 little shorts yeah. if you don't like one you just kind of you know, write it out and there'll be another one. Some are squeamish, some are ghastly, some are perplexing. Some are really funny. Some are really funny. There's uh, a song. Yes, there's a song and the the guy from Harry Potter, isn't that? Harry Mel Melchin? Anyway. There's I, a whole bunch there's a of whole people bunch. in it's it. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, I would recommend a great cast. Um, yeah, and I, I, I mean... I, I've watched it five years ago and some of those shots are still playing in my mind right now. As I'm yes. Watching. The last one with them in a carriage ride. Yes. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. 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 So great, great pick. What's yours, Yasdi? My pick comes uh, through the courtesy of a friend of ours uh, who listens to our podcast all the time. She tells me, uh, Soma Bhadra, who we know. Oh, hello, so, Soma. Hello, Soma. So Soma had me over recently while you guys were uh, for dinner and she recommended and she is really into cooking. Yeah, She does a lot of, she has her own food blog and so forth. So she recommended I watch this movie on Netflix called Hunger. <gasps> I uh, just saw that pop up. Mm. Uh, not to be confused with the hunger. hunger. Not to be confused with the hunger. The which was David the fast Bowie. bender, right? No, no. So that's 
Another hunger. That's Steve McQueen's hunger. That is Steve McQueen's hunger. So (laughs) the hunger was, you know, that great movie from, I don't know, 70s with uh, David Bowie, Susan Sarandon, uh, Catherine Deneuve, etc. That's a cult classic. Hunger was Steve McQueen's, one of his first uh, uh, well-received movies about the Irish man who went on hunger strike while he was imprisoned. But this one is this one is a Thai movie called Hunger. And I have my issues with the movie. I, I don't care for the ending. But if you are into food porn, you should watch this. I don't I don't know if a movie that has as lovingly um, you know, committed itself to to showing you know, the wonders of food getting cooked. And the story of it is very straightforward. It's about a young girl who runs a very poor noodle house on a street corner with her family and her father. They own it. And unbeknownst to her, somebody who is scouting for a good cook replacement in a very, very upper end uh, cooking establishment, like the biggest chef in Thailand, he sees promise in her and she literally is plucked from this, from this, and you know, corner of the street environment to this very high end chef's kitchen, and it's about her adjusting with it and how, you know, these chefs tend to be assholes and so forth. Yeah, right. um, it's 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 very very entertaining. It has all these philosophies, um, and it does see this upper. It, it does look at upper end, high end cooking with a fair degree of scorn. But be that as it may, it's very very entertaining. A lot of fun. Hunger, Thai movie with subtitles, well worth it. Fantastic. Yes. My pick, uh, you mentioned ChatGPT. My my pick is along the the lines of all of this AI talk that we've been talking about Mm -hmm. lately, and it's the movie Megan. Um, Have you seen it yet? I still have not seen. Oh, you have to see it. Shame on me. Yes. So Megan um, is... Uh, it's kind of a horror comedy starring the wonderful Alison Williams, who we know from mm-hmm. Girls, but also her great work in Get Out. Um, and yes. and, uh, and I've decided basically that I'm just going to watch movies with Alison Williams in them because it almost always yes. um, delivers. I think she's very careful about the scripts that she she takes on. Nonetheless, I, this this movie isn't too much about her, but uh, it's, it's about a, a doll, an AI-like doll that... Um, is programmed to um, be a child's greatest companion. And we watched this on the plane recently, uh, both Rashmi and I. I had very low expectations because it just looked from trailers and clips I'd seen to be another one of these kind of, you know, Annabelle, Chucky, you know, type right. type things. And I thought, oh, I really don't want to do that again. I won't say it's not like those movies. It's clearly It clearly draws inspiration from them. But it's a delightfully funny, silly little... Um, horror flick um not scary at all uh just just scary in the fun sense um about what could go wrong if you have your ai child's doll programmed to look after the child unconditionally so <laughs> i'll leave that there killing, such, killing and shoot, such a great movie <laughs> it was so much fun so I, yeah i have a colleague from work um who moved from la jolla and he's now on the east coast but he's been telling me for the last two three four months that i absolutely have to drop everything and watch megan yes you absolutely not. have to yeah yes. it's delightfully fun it's the first one i watched as i got on the plane and then I, once i watched it i was like joe you have to watch this yeah. so luke i'll watch it <laughs> all right so our three picks are rashmi you had the ballad of buster scruggs on 
Netflix. Yes, do you had? I have Hunger, the Thai movie from 2023 on Netflix. Super. And my pick was Megan, which you might find via Google M3GAN. Um, Model 3 uh, is Model 3 Megan. Uh, and that can be found streaming right now, I think, exclusively on Peacock. Mm-hmm. Kind of annoying that if you don't have Peacock. But uh, it's uh, it's actually worth, even if you spend five bucks to do Peacock, peacock for a month and then cancel it just to watch this movie yeah, it's cheap as a rental and i don't know probably worth it so peacock does these things where movies show up it, it won't peacock is free right now but if you want to watch these movies you have to get their peacock premium which is three dollars it's the cheapest thing you can yeah. do it's so worth paying the three dollars and watching the movie totally yeah. it totally is for this one I, I, yeah the rest of their selection is is um pretty good as well yeah we have cocaine bear poker face all kinds of stuff fun stuff on peacock yes all right um we better get moving yes quickly or yes. should i say fast uh <laughs> into our movies uh let's talk about uh fast x the little mermaid and you hurt my feelings in that order okay all right so i'll be introducing fast x So it was 2001 where this little movie called Fast and the Furious uh, came out of nowhere. It had a whole bunch of, you know, people uh, in a, you know, in a movie about people who steal cars and, you know, Paul Walker was in it, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, a lot of them. That movie still remained a kind of a small movie, uh, but then they decided to make sequels. I think the second one was called Tokyo Drift. And then what do we know, you know, over nine iterations, and now the tenth one, it's become one of the biggest franchises in movie history. Uh, I kind of came late to it. I think many of us did, but by the time we were at four, five, six, seven, I think that was the golden time. I mean, I those movies are high art. I think, uh, well, they're lowbrow high art. Uh, uh, but here is the tenth uh, version of the movie. Um, it's called Fast X. I don't know or Fast Ten. However, you want to see it. It's a Roman numeral, Roman numeral for ten. Uh, it's uh, directed by Louis Leterrier, and uh, the writers credited to the movie are Dan Mazou, Justin Lin, and Gary Scott Thompson. Justin Lin famously directed a lot of the movies in the Fast and Furious franchise. And the one letter, not the one letter, the one sentence summary for the movie is Dom Toretto and his family. And we all know Fast and the Furious is all about the family. They are targeted by the vengeful son of drug kingpin Hernan Reyes from an earlier iteration of Fast and the Furious. The movie stars, gosh, who does it not star? Mm-hmm. The movie stars um, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, uh, uh, Jordana Brewster, Tyrese Gibson, Ludacris, and so many cameos. John Cena. John Cena is in it. Uh, Charlize Theron is in it. Brie Larson is in it. Scott Eastwood is in it, and we will be sure to talk about this. Jason Momoa plays the bad guy, Dante. So you guys have it fresh in your mind because you watched it uh, not 24 hours ago. Yep. I watched it a couple of weeks ago. Not so fresh for me, but what do you guys think about Fast X? Um, so this is a really fun, action-packed movie about cars again. I mean, sure, it's ridiculous and preposterous and totally unbelievable, but it's just super fun seeing how they can make a car do gravity-defying stunts in my mind. Um, I love that it's a who's who of action movies and muscles 
every muscle is in here that you can think of. Um, and even those that you can't think of. Um, and I would just say, we can talk about this. The star of the movie for me was Jason Momoa. He's just so committed and having so much fun. It made me have fun with the movie as well. I, I really like this. Wow. Because I didn't like it at all. And oh. um, Fast Five was my introduction to the franchise. Um, really very competently directed by Justin Lin, who I think managed to balance the nonsenseness of some of the plot lines with this kind of core emotional family thread, right? The family thing, La Familia, all that kind of stuff was built in, I kind of bought into that. Um, Fast Nine was was annoying with the kind of space trip. You know, if, I don't know if you remember that there was mm -hmm. like a they had to go and uh, dock with a space station or so. <laughs> it was in, in it was ludicrous in, in a car, right? Um, no pun intended. This this one actually, we talked about like John Lim with its kind of John Lim John, <laughs> John Wick. <laughs> Sorry, John, a friend of mine, um, Justin. <laughs> Justin, again, too, yes. getting too confused with these names. We talked about John Wick with its very stylized violence and and almost um, ballet like choreography. Here, there's nothing as sophisticated here. This has all gotten very silly, and what didn't work for me here was. I just didn't find anything to grasp on and care about. Jason Momoa, I thought, you know, sure, he's committed, but he doesn't work in this role. He is comedically bad. And I know he's trying to kind of camp it up and be the, the, the you know, the kind of, um, you know, master villain. But I, I just, I couldn't connect with it. It's a bit of a snoozer for me, unfortunately, which is like ridiculous to say, oh, and this movie is at least 45 minutes too long. Yeah, agree. At least. Yes, D. Yeah, it is two hours and 20 some minutes long. Uh, I'm going to agree with Joe on this really? one. Really? This is bombast in a box. I think this this franchise has nowhere left to go now. And, you know, once you've gone to space, yeah. uh, once, <laughs> yeah. once you've jumped across between buildings, once you have, you know, leapt off in a, you know, in a car from a plane, now you're just repeating it, right? You're just repeating stunts, which were done from previous movies. Um and, you know, even their whole family shtick, it just, you know, they're trying to bring in the Christian faith here. There are people kind of, it's 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 pandering now. And I just, I, I, I don't know, maybe I was seeing it on a, when I was very tired, but I, it didn't seem inspired to me. I mean, I think these, this group of people, they're so committed. They have been in it now for almost, a, you know, half a century, like 25 years. So they, when you bring these people together, of course, you're going to have, some degree of uh, natural chemistry, yeah. chemistry, all of that. But there is not one thing <clears throat> very, very inventive. I mean, there are great action scenes. Um, Charlize Theron makes everything better. I mean, even though she's kind of, you know, Cipher is pretty much a Cipher. There isn't much, there isn't much to her character. But, you know, she has some great action scenes with Michelle Williams and so forth. So, yeah, there are a few things here, but... I think, you know, preposterousness has its limits and they've kind of reached the end of the road. And I'm like, go, go gently into the night. Well, bye. we know that's not going to happen, <laughs> yeah. right? Bye, because bye. That's the other thing right, we need to talk about. Right. But I'm like, what are you? Are you Star Wars? Are you Lord of the Rings? So I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. Yes, D. How, how dare you end a movie like this? But well, anyway. But I think I was just going to say it from the other perspective that if you think about the Fast franchise and you think about Mission Impossible and you think about the Bourne, um, all of these movies are James Bond. There's very little separating any of these movies anymore. 
They're all bombastic. They're all ridiculous stunts. They're all people flying out of rockets and planes. And I mean, this one, in, a, in essence, differentiates itself a teeny tiny bit by being muscle men and cars. So I don't know that if you're going to see, like, again, I would say if you're a fan of this franchise, you'll get something out yeah, of it. Yeah. I had very, very, very low expectations. In fact, I didn't even want to go and see the movie, but I figured, you know, may as well. Um, so I think maybe that's why I was pleasantly surprised. I think a lot of it has to do with your expectations that you walk in with. And Jason Momoa to me was hilarious. I found him absolutely hilarious. But if you're not open to that type of villain, he's kind of like the Javier Bardem character in one of those um, Bond, Bond movies, movies yeah. which is just so, like, I couldn't tolerate that baddie in the James Bond franchise. But given this is so light and frothy and ridiculous, he kind of fit for me. So again, it's not high art and it's definitely not highbrow, um, but it's it's entertaining. For, I, I thought it was pretty entertaining. But I just had the sense that he was reading his lines for the first time on screen. Oh, okay. I don't know that he kind of... Um, committed he's as, like ha ha ha, ha. Yeah. rub your hands together gleefully he's, he's like, like a cartoon character right yeah. but but that that can work right it's just here he, he he literally just felt like he showed up for the paycheck and i don't know that he yeah not that we have to kind of get into character studies or you know like you know method acting or anything but he literally just i didn't buy it i didn't buy I it buy for it a second so yeah, uh, go on, please. No, I mean, I think is my thing is even there, they're playing it too safe, right? So I think the reason why Javier Bardem in that James Bond movie, I think it was Skyfall, I forget. Um, he was, he was, he, he kind of made your skin crawl, right? Because right. he was so committed to it. And he seemed like genuinely, you know, into the, in, into the character he was playing. Yeah. If my point is, if you're if you're going to cam it up, uh, sorry, if you're going to camp it up, and if you're going to play effeminate, then go all the way. Don't don't do it halfway. I just wanted him. If if you're doing that, then then jump off that cliff with it. Yeah. And he it, it was still playing safe, and he just wanted to kind of have these weird costumes, which is fun. Okay, his his costumes weird. Jason Momoa's weird costume. They were fun, but still, I wanted his character to kind of just just you know embrace into it, dig into yeah. it. And I got, honestly, I just got tired of the cameos. I really got, it's like every half an hour, it's like, I'm not going to take names, but oh, it's this person now. Oh, it's that person now. What is Rita Moreno doing in this movie? Helen Mirren. What is Helen Mirren doing in this movie? <laughs> what, is Brie Larson, what is Brie Larson They're doing in this fun. movie? John yeah. Cena, bless his heart. I love John Cena. I, I, I would gladly watch a franchise with him. Yeah. He's so fun. He does his best. Just, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, just to kind of pivot to the the reason the story didn't work. I mean, I, again, Vin Diesel. Sorry, was there a story? <laughs> was more convincing to me as Groot, right? I, there was much more emotion associated <laughs> with Groot in the Mark Guardians of the Galaxy. And for those that haven't seen those movies, he has one line to read over and over in, in Guardians of the Galaxy, which is, I am Groot. And yet somehow I'm so, I find myself in, <laughs> a million times more attached to that than, than I was here because he, you know, him and the whole, uh, the whole string of it just, I've seen, I've seen him camping it up before in Fast Five, Six, Seven and Eight, whatever they, they were all called. Um, here, it, it just, 
I didn't buy the jeopardy of it. You know, he had, you know, his whole, the whole movie is him, you know, trying to protect his son. And again, that, that whole thing just didn't, didn't, didn't work. Yeah, that, sad. That, if that doesn't work, this movie falls apart for me, at least. Yeah. I was sad there wasn't more of Jordana Brewster. I mean, again, it felt like she was doing more of a cameo than doing her part um, for the for the franchise in terms of her role in the family. But why don't we wind this one up? Go ahead. Uh, five out of ten for me. I, It's entertaining. But my thing is, if, if, if you're pulling into, you know, tenth part in a, in a series, then... You have all the money in the world. You you seem to have all the talent you want. Like every actor is showing up for cameos. Invest, spend some more time. If if you if you're recycling action pieces from your own franchise, then maybe you need to take a break for a couple of years. Think about it. Think about something yeah. more creative and come back. Uh, I know there is eleventh one, uh, and I really hope that they have something more inspired, something more creative. Um, I, and, and the dialogue was so bad. I was cringing. The dialogue was really bad. Yeah. But but it's fun. I cannot deny it's fun. Five out of ten. Joe. Five out of ten as well. This is a movie, an action movie that, about cars, which failed to keep me awake on a Friday night. Like, I can't, I can't say more than that. It was just a snoozer, uh, really was. There's just nothing to care about here. Uh, lots of explosions and, yeah, just, just kind of tiresome. Too bad. Entertaining enough, six out of ten. Okay. I think I had the most fun. <laughs> Indeed, you, you did. did. I, yeah, and I, you know, there is there is a part with a. To give it credit, there's a part in Rome with this bomb, which looks like a miniature Death Star, which is rolling. It's along. ridiculous. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But I it's enjoyed ridiculous. that. At least it's creative. Somebody right. thought out of the box. Right. right? So the whole thing is ridiculous and preposterous. <laughs> but I, I kind of thought that from nine onwards. Yeah, nine was pretty bad. Too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yes. All right, let's pivot over to The Little Mermaid. And I think I'm backgrounding on this, or you got this one, Rashmi. All right, so The Little Mermaid is the latest in Disney's uh, live action adaptations of its cartoon back catalogue. Uh, little Mermaid actually back in I think it was the 80s maybe the early 90s mm-hmm. I think late 80s was was kind of the Disney renaissance this is when they stopped going from like um they they, they I think they're taking a break from making cartoons for a while and then they came back to making these feature length cartoons and um to to great fanfare I remember picking it up as a video rental um and absolutely falling in love with the movie uh, so many years ago it has my probably still my favorite songs of all of the the disney the music and it was written by alan menken i think who does a lot of broadway stuff anyway uh really precious franchise to me this live action remake uh is directed by rob marshall and stars um i I don't i I really my brain keeps wanting to call her halle berry but it's not it's it's holly (laughs) bailey you and everybody else yes hail bailey um it has Javier Bardem, who we just mentioned, uh, as, a, as a bad guy in another movie. So uh, he is here as King Triton, which is Ariel's father. And then we have Melissa, Melissa McCarthy as the uh, sea witch Ursula. Um, I'm, I don't want to 
get too much into the controversy of it, but there has been a lot of noise mm-hmm. being made about the casting decision for this movie um, in various circles. And I don't want to get too much into that, but I think that has, you know, tarnished the movie in terms of its public perception going uh, into its release. Um, I must admit, I'm not a fan of Disney's live, af- live action adaptation, so that's why I haven't rushed out to see this. Um, even one that was done as well as The Lion King doesn't quite capture the, the magic of the cartoon versions. But uh, Yasti, you did get to see this, so tell us what you think. And I guess the whole um, controversy or, yeah. you know, that we've got an African-American aerial I think the only movie where they did a really top-notch live action was The Jungle Book. That yes. was the beginning and end of it. Yeah. Agreed. That was just... Kenneth Branagh's Cinderella was okay as well. Yes, true that, true that, yes. Uh, but okay, like it yeah. didn't bring more, so yeah. go on. Um, so there's so much baggage with this movie. And like you, Joe, I should... I mean, the movie came out in 1989, and I think The Lion King and... Um, Little Mermaid are my favorite Disney movies. I mean, if it's on TV, I'll watch it. I, I'm i sorry to say, when I was doing my experiments in my lab work, I used to have the music for The Little Mermaid Aww. playing. Yeah. I know every song I've got by the soundtrack heart. as well, yeah. Like, Kiss the Girl and Pour and For... I know, like, word under for word. I can, I can see Under the Sea is just a <laughs> classic. And so I, I love the music in this. Uh, and there's a reason why it has survived for this long, tw- you know, what, 50 years, 40, 40 some years later. So um, if you listen to the different corners of the internet, there'll be people who will say this is the most horrid thing ever made. And there are people who will say this is the greatest movie ever made. You know, I think it's a mixed bag. Um, And sorry, Yassi, does it play frame for frame? No. Okay. No. So this movie has 52 additional minutes from the original. Wow. Yeah. I thought it, after I came out, I thought maybe 20 but no, I was surprised to find it has 52 extra minutes. It's 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 a long movie. Uh, it's uh, two hours and 15 minutes uh, for an animated for a live action animated movie. So no, it does not play uh, shot for shot. There is a lot in this movie which doesn't replace, but it adds mm. to what was there in the original movie. And actually, I kind of enjoyed that because the other because the other stuff then just becomes a shot for shot replacement. Um, I can tell you that, and and you any reviewer will tell you that um, Disney was right. They were, of course, right. They were always right in picking, you know, Halle Bailey to play the lead. Um, there are a lot of the things which don't work, and I'll get back. The things which don't work is the CGI is remarkably clunky it's awful Whoa. and then the other thing i actually when i came out of the screening i asked the the rep you know who was taking reactions afterwards if something was wrong with the um projection with the projection because it's so murky oh. and she smiled and she said you know it is under the sea and i said <laughs> i said yes <laughs> and, and so i think Maybe intent. It must be intentional because Disney wanted to be photorealistic, so they want they've shot the stuff as if you were actually under the water and seeing things. So the first half an hour, so much stuff is blurry, um, and you can't see clearly because it, they've shot it like you were actually under the sea. That's and, awful, and that doesn't work to the movies. Uh, to advantage because the fun thing about the animated stuff is there's all these colors and creatures and they're jumping around and they're singing choreographed and, and choreographed. Yeah. So 
you know, but all is forgotten, or at least I forgot everything when you hear that crystal clear tone of Halle Bailey's voice. And this is what I want to say to summarize the whole movie. Again and again, the music of this movie saves this movie's butt. I mean, you when you have a great picturization of something like The Poor Unfortunate Souls, uh, and not all of it is inspired, but that song, the CGI, they really did a marvelous job. And to give credit where it's due, Melissa McCarthy really makes it her own. But the way her tentacles have been animated, there's a part where even in the animated movie and in the live action, when she suddenly approaches the screen like very fast and you almost, you know, go back in your chair because this thing is coming at you. But it's so beautifully picturized. And then likewise, Kiss the Girl is magical. Mm. It's just truly magical how it's been picturized. So a lot of that works. Um, and the movie takes liberties with the extra 50 minutes. There's a lot of backstory about the prince. They've also kind of updated. I mean, one thing that that Disney has been saying is the reason they are doing the live action movies is they want to update some of the, not objectionable, but some of the dated things. Mm. In, in, in So, you know... Um, they, they want to wake up. They want to wake... <laughs> no. But, but, you know, there's some, like... Kiss the girl, like it almost seems like this prince has to kiss her without her consent, right? right? So they kind of so the so the the lyrics are changed just a little bit to say you know ask her and then kiss her or something. I, I forget. So they're, they're they're trying to do their best, and also she she is not just some girl who just gets swoony about a prince and then decides to you know uh, uh, open her fins. Is what? <laughs> Open her fins. <laughs> Open her fins, yes. But kind of, kind of disobey her father and go to the, right. you know, go to the, go to land or whatever. This time, the two of them share some common interests, and so it's more than her just getting. I actually think what's controversial should not be the casting of Halle Bailey, but the casting of the prince because he was he's so vanilla. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like they should have picked somebody else, but. Um, Really, you're going to give up your tail for this guy? <laughs> yeah, for this guy. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, they've tried. I mean, instead of uh, Triton having, you know, uh, Ariel and all the other mermaids as his daughters, it, all of his daughters look like the United Nations. There is an Asian-looking mermaid. There is a darker-skinned one. There is a fair-skinned one. So uh, Disney's trying, I guess. But I wish they had spent a little bit more time with the CGI. I mean, if it's a big budget Disney movie like this, mm. it, it, there's no reason for the CGI to be clunky. But the movie's made a ton of money. Um, you know, I've, I've seen clips of uh, little girls at Disneyland when they released the movie and little African-American Screaming girls. Screaming with joy and yeah, glee. Yeah, little African-American yes. girls coming up and hugging, you know, Halle Bailey. And I'm like, yes, representation matters. So I'm so glad in a way that this is what's happened. I just think they could have knocked this out of the park. Mm. Uh, they could have just, this would have been an instant classic, but it parts of it are just mediocre. Rob Marshall is no stranger to musicals. I mean, he yeah, has he directed Chicago. Into the Woods. Um, yeah. I was just trying to look up his CV while we were talking, but uh, it feels like they picked the right director here. So what, you just think it's um, artistic choices on the CGI that kind of let it down or... Is there anything script-wise that that because um, it just sounds uninspired? No, and, and remind I must have to point. I do have to point something out, which is on Rotten Tomatoes here. 
audience loves it. Yeah, critics yeah. kind of turn their nose up. So it's, I, a, it's a crowd pleaser for sure. So I think as much as we whine and moan about Disney and their greed and they keep doing live action movies and absolutely it's money which is driving it. But the one byproduct of this is that it's introducing a whole new generation of people to these stories. I mean, this is a Hans Christian Andersen story. It goes back, you know, forever, for hundreds of years. And I love, I think if you have no history, and I think a lot of the younger people who are seeing it will have no history. For them, they're probably watching it for the first time. I don't know if everybody is showing The Little Mermaid to their kids these days mm. when they're growing up. So they will enjoy it. They will have fun. I think it's only because, for me, everything is in reference to the animated movie, right? So mm. that's where it fails. I think if you have, if you're coming with a clean whiteboard, then it'll be a, a lot of fun and it'll be very enjoyable. I, also, I will say I did enjoy the parts where it not necessarily deviated, but it added more. So there's a lot more stuff about when she gets on land and she's, you know, she finds common ground and, you know, she and uh, the prince kind of love to read books. There's a little bit of Beauty and the Beast in that, you know, he, he has a little bit of backstory, his mom is dark skin, but his dad is not. And it's implied that he was adopted. It's kind of, and I'm, I'm like, is there a story there? So maybe there was at some point. So there's a lot more stuff to mm -hmm. add. So that that's good. The other, and there's one other thing I, I want to say, and then I'll shut up. But I think they went too far with the photorealism because Sebastian, the crab, yeah. is so much fun because in the animated movie, he does not necessarily look as a crab. He has these two big eyes yes. on the top and crabs yeah. don't have big eyes. But when you make a photorealistic crab, then that crab cannot be expressive because he has itty bitty eyes. Likewise, um, Scuttle, the fish. Is yeah. it Scuttle? Scum. No, no. Uh, Scuttle's... Fl something Fla beginning... Uh, flounder. 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 Um, you know, that's the Jacob Tremblay, that's right? That's the Jacob Tremblay. And Flounder, if if he, if he looks like a real fish, in the animated movie, Flounder is so cute and he's so endearing and it has this baby's voice. But when you have an actual fish there, it, it doesn't do the same job, <laughs> right? And Aquafina plays uh, Scuttle. Uh, and she, you know, Aquafina always does Aquafina. But I wish they would have, even in the live action version, kind of retained the yeah. animated bits because if you make if you if you if you have a talking crab it just looks creepy right or if you <laughs> yeah. just have a fish which is talking yeah, it crab, looks weird. crabs aren't cute at, crabs in any are way. not cute so and oh one other thing they they uh, brought in Lynn Manuel Miranda uh you know to write three extra songs that's where some of those 50 minutes uh, okay. comes in and they dropped Les Poissons. Do you remember Les Poissons? Les Poissons. There's a song in the movie where the chef is cooking. Yeah. And Sebastian is going to get cooked and he's trying to escape. Oh, yeah. I love that. So they dropped that song. I, I wish they did not drop that. I love Les Poissons. But anyway, and then they've added three songs. Two of them are okay. One is an absolute snoozer. I was like, why yeah. am I even listening to this? So, again, it's a mixed bag. And I'm very happy this movie is, like, making a ton of money. It deserves to. But again, I just, I just wish if they had just done a little bit more, it could have been just amazing. Scores on the doors. Seven out of 10. That's a decent score. Yeah, that's six, six yeah. and a half upgraded to a seven. Disney's in that awkward position where they used to be able to release movies to cinemas. Remember when we were, you know, maybe this is going back too many years, but they used to re-release Snow White every few years. And then they used to re-release Jungle Book every few years. And, you know, that's how we all got to know them as kids. Because, you know, I saw, yes. I saw Snow White 
as a kid in the movie theater, even though the original was made in what, 1950? Yes, 60, 70 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So they used to do that and they could do that. But now with streaming and the ubiquity of home entertainment platforms, that, that wouldn't work for them. So I guess that's why they're forcing these remakes. But mm. yeah. All right. And Melissa McCarthy is, is fun. That's that's an iconic role, Ursula, to see see yeah. Sea Witch. Sea yes. Witch and she's she's up to the task. <laughs> she's always up to the task. Yeah. All right. Movie number three, You Hurt My Feelings. Rashmi, I think. I certainly back, did, Joe. Um, a novelist's long-standing marriage is suddenly upended when she overhears her husband giving his honest reaction to her latest book. This has an amazing cast. This is um, Julia Louise um, Dreyfus in the main role, Tobias Menzies, Don, um, who plays uh, her husband, Don. Michaela Watkins is here. Um, Arian Moyad, who you might know from Succession. Owen Teague. Um, Amber, Amber Tamblin um, is in here as well. Um, David Cross, Zach Cherry, whole host of others as well. Um, and I would describe this as the kind of archetypal kind of film festival movie. Um, but Yazdi, uh, well, why don't we go with Joe? Let's go with Joe first and then we'll go to Yazdi. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, this is the director's debut movie. No, no. No, never mind. Uh, sorry, and directed. I forgot to say, directed and written by um, Nicole Holofsener. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, that's right. She did Enough Said and Holofsener. She did Enough Said. Never mind. I, I, I yeah. apologize for yeah. that, that big gaffe. I remember uh, Enough Said was the probably one of the first and last movies of... Um, James Gandolfini. James Gandolfini, was, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so I went into this completely cold. Rashmi booked the tickets. I didn't even know what we were going to see. So I, I kind of entrusted Rashmi with uh, with our afternoon that day. Um, here's what I'll say. Um, this was excellent. It had a very um, Duplassi Brothers feel to it. Mm -hmm. And when Rashmi, you said film festival, it feels like a small movie. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's written um, beautifully, honestly, and also uncomfortably, honestly, at times. I think it explores... Uh, relationships. It talks uh, really well about um, you know, how people might tell lies to their uh, significant other uh, in order to protect their feelings, and that can be done out of love, not just out of um, you know some kind of dishonesty. Um, yeah, this was a surprise to me. Again, going into it not knowing much about it, I had zero expectations, but I came out. Um, genuinely surprised and and that this this movie is is insightfully funny um i'll i'll say that it's got a wonderful um uh, thread thread to it the humor is in the reality of many of the situations so beautifully acted really well directed i i really like this one yasdi yeah this is a yasdi movie through and through i uh i just love it i just love it so much um so Nicole Holofcener has been making movies since the 90s. And uh, Joe, you'll be happy to know that. So while she's always been writing and directing these smaller movies, she's done a whole bunch of movies with Jennifer Aniston. She did a movie. Um, and then she did a movie called Lovely and Amazing, which is really lovely and amazing. She did a movie called Walking and Talking. But then off late, she wrote, uh, she, by the way, wrote and directed many episodes of Six Feet Under, um, Friends with One was right. a movie that she did with, uh, and then she directed Enlightened. Enough said with uh, mm -hmm. James Gandolfini and Julia Louis Dreyfus was 
Excellent. I loved it. But anyway, she's been around. You'll be happy to know that she wrote the Ridley Scott movie last year, which got no love, The Last Duel. She wrote that movie. Wow. Remember with, with, yeah, uh, I love that. With we Matt all love that. All yeah. it. And that's completely, I mean, it's based on a historical yeah. thing, yeah. you know, set set 100 years Literally ago. Literally the opposite of this movie. Literally the opposite. So she's very, very talented. There's many things I love about the movie, but let me just start by saying the, the thing I love about this movie more than anything else is the fact that it's never more than what it's about. Right. It's never trying to make a big deal about it. This thing happens. It kind of almost ruins their marriage. But it's not trying to be, you know, telling you about the secret of life or, you know, it's 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 very happy in the universe in which it is set. Mm-hmm. And I like that it is wise and it is ultimately very generous um, because it. It starts with this couple, and I don't want to give too much away, but it starts with this couple who are, you know, late in their lives, in their, I don't know, mid-50s maybe, um, and they are annoyingly happy together, right? They're annoyingly happy together, and we don't often see movies about people who are very happy together, and something happens which threatens their marriage, and the movie doesn't kind of run away with it by saying, you know, they separate and walk away and whatever. The the movie respects these two characters to be who they are. And they genuinely love each other and respect each other. And and I love how it played out. Um, And I also like that, even though it's ostensibly about the, you know, this couple played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus and uh, the Menzies guy, Tobias Tobias Menzies, who is a British actor. I I didn't know much about him. Apparently he's on... He's he was on, in a comedy show for many was, years. Yeah. Um, ostensibly, it's about him. But during the course of the movie, we get to find out how everybody in this in their orbit is kind of facing some kind of uh, midlife crisis, right? Her sister is, uh, who is trying to be this interior designer. Her sister's husband is, who's mm. trying to be an actor. Um, her, their son is, who's trying to become a writer in the shadow of, you know, his mom who's right. So I, I love the universe of this movie. I love this movie. Yeah. I really love this movie too. I'll put it out there, but I think it's a weak premise. It's a weak inciting incident that leads us through the movie. And I wish that that, that hadn't been the case, but other than that, I think if you just look at it as a movie about relationships, then that's the, the, the lies that she overhears is the reason for having some of the action further on, right? So that's my only criticism of the movie, but I can overlook that because each of the characters are so well-formed and they're so delightful to watch. And some of them make you so uncomfortable, like the relationship she has with her mother, but the beautiful relationship she has with her sister. Um, it's, It's really, really just a very beautiful movie. It's really cute. It's better than it needs to be. And again, all of those characters are way better acted than they even need to be. It it feels very much to me as if um, Noah Baumbach made a movie about 50 somethings, right? Like, um, Yeah. Yeah. But Noah Baumbach, I think, may have, uh, Noah Baumbach may actually have learned from Nicole Holofcener. I think she's been making movies, you know, for a while. Um, um, I, you know, I, I think, so my thing is, you know, 
maybe maybe I will say this. It's not much of a spoiler, but it would be a shame. So the premise of the movie is that she overhears her husband talking to his friend and saying that she really doesn't care at all for the book that she's writing right now. And it kind of breaks her because he's been telling her all along that, you know, he loves the book. And in the scheme of things, it's it's a smaller thing, you know, but I think it asks this very good question about what's your role as a partner? What's your role as a spouse? And I think the reason this movie exists is because I think your role is twofold. Your role is to be honest, but your role is also to be supportive. And sometimes, and, you know, Julie Louis-Dreyfus has, I I listened to her uh, interview on, I think it was on uh, Fresh Air on, on NPR, where she was saying, you know, if you are a therapist, no, like her husband plays this therapist, nobody really judges you as a therapist other than the people you're, you, you know, you're sitting down with. But when you're a writer, you are naked, right? Everybody's reading your work, you know, when you're creating something. Mm. So she's in a much more vulnerable place than her husband is. And is your, how many times in life do we tell our friends, oh, this, this painting you've created is great, Right. When you may you may not necessarily want to put it on your wall, but you you are being encouraging, you are being supportive. So how do you reconcile with your two roles as maybe not even as a spouse, as a friend where, you know, should you be honest and say, I hate this? You know, or do you do you tactfully say it's I really love it? We always lie to you. I know, I know. (laughs) I know deep in my heart. But my thing is I haven't seen a movie being made about this. No, and and I I love that that's the the central theme here. I mean, I I think you said it very well, which is it's it's only about this thing. Right. It's not it's not trying to do that because yeah, it feels very ripe for exploration because I don't think anyone's specifically asked this question in the context of a script which is, you know, um, that, that conflict, that inherent conflict between honesty and, and, and support, both of which are required in most relationships. So most, you know, most real relationships. So, yeah, it's really good. Really fascinating. Oh, am I summing up? Sure. Rashmi's done talking about this movie. Talking, talking, talking for a long time. <laughs> yeah, is there anything else to say? Well, I I also want to say that um, I think uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus has received more Emmys than anybody else in television, film, you She's know, history. Incredible. She's incredible, and we know her for her great comic timing. But I think we, at our own detriment, fail to realize that she she's actually a pretty good dramatic actor. I mean, yeah, she's, she's so good. I mean, yeah. she plays hurt. She's playing hurtful very authentically, even though we laugh at her when she's doing it, she's very good. And I think, um, again, during that interview, she said that sometimes she, she's worked with Nicole Hellefsinner for a while. And she's like, we are sometimes, we don't even need to say things because we are in the same wavelength and they've gone through the same experiences in life. They have grown kids and they are both creative people who are kind of, you know, writing and, you know, or, or, you know, acting or so Mm -hmm. forth. So, I actually think that their collaboration is one for the ages. I would love to see like five more movies of, uh, you know, of her act, like enough said, uh, you hurt my feelings and then three more movies if, if possible. So that's what I wanted to say. Great acting all around. Michaela Watkins makes everything better. Who plays her sister? She's great. She's great. We've seen her in so many television shows, but she is, she's wonderful. Yeah. All right. Your number? 
Oh, so, okay, I'm summarizing. So I think this movie is, sh- is smart, it's witty, it's dry, it's perceptive. And I said, and I said it's very generous because it treats, ultimately treats all of these characters with a lot of kindness. We never talked about her, their son. In a way, they do to their son what she's complaining about Correct. her doing to her husband. And people need to watch this. And, and again, realize how, depending on the role you're playing, Sometimes we are intentionally deceitful. We are lying all the time because that's our role to do in being supportive. Um, so, you know, I don't know why Nicole Hall of Sinner is not a giant, you know, giant celebrity in cinema. She needs to be. I love this movie eight and a half out of ten. You know, I would rather watch this movie five times over than watch, you know, Fast and Furious 11. Just stop the crap already. Give me good, well-written movies with well-considered actors, well, well-acted. well I love this movie. Love, 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 love. What was your score, sorry? Eight and a half. Mm, which you are going to? I'm going to uh, bring down to eight. Although I think this might be on my top 10 movies of the year. Yeah. Joe. Eight from me as well. Yeah, this is this is solidly fun. Um, it's uh, it can be laugh out loud at times, but I think more than anything, um, I, I love I love the honesty. I love the 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 honesty it forces of its characters um, and um, how it all kind of plays out. So yeah, really good stuff. Rush um, me eight as well. Solid. Yeah. I could have watched a movie about any one of those characters. Yeah, they're really well formed. I love the mother. The mother has two scenes. But she's, and she's so, good. so good. Yeah. There's just like the scenes where they do voluntary work and oh, yeah. like people come up and, you know, they, they're like give clothing out and even like how caustic some of that is. Mm-hmm. David Cross is fantastic. Oh, I, David I, Cross I and Amber Tamblyn. David Cross from Arrested Development. I love him in that in that show and just to see him interact and be this like caustic couple who right. are having therapy was hilarious just to see that was like brilliant. their arc yeah their yeah, arc in the movie fantastic. is so good yeah uh, this is I think this is the sign of a great writer yeah um, even you mentioned this earlier and I didn't even realize this until you mentioned it but even just her relationship with her sister it's feels fantastic. so lived in it feels yeah. so lived in they have this they have this their family, but at yeah. the same time, there are little grudges, but they are unconditionally supportive. Yeah. And oh. it's written with a lot of truth. And yeah. I think that that's, that's really, yeah. really great movie. I think you should give it a nine, Yasti. I will give it a nine. Oh, wow. Guys, please go watch You Hurt Your yeah, Feeling. I it's only 90 feelings. minutes too, I think. It's you know, very, it's very short. Very yeah. punchy, very, very yeah. straight to the point and gets in and out and does. Unlike yeah. our podcast. Indeed, and, at fifty-four minutes, yeah. we should probably shut up. And let me, let me, let me start. <laughs> let, sorry, I'm going to say this last thing. Let me start the campaign for uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus for Best Actress. She's very good. She's very good. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, we have another podcast to record, so that means this one has to come to an end. Thank you for hanging out. If you're still here, we appreciate you. Um. We're barely still here. Rashmi's trying to run off somewhere else. (laughs) So uh, until our next podcast, which will hopefully come out very shortly after this one, too many movies, too little time. A goodbye for me. And me. And me as well. Go watch your heart, my feelings.